So many of you, just in case you weren't here last week, last week we officially started our new series and we gave the word for the year that God has given us, which is the word disciple. It's disciple, be one and make one. So for all of us, God is challenging each and every one of us individually. Don't just hear what we are saying, but we want you to apply it to your life and really try to see what God is speaking to you deep down inside of your soul because God is challenging us to be a disciple, not to be just a fan of Jesus, not just to be a believer of Jesus. He wants us to be a disciple of him. And we talked about last week how so many people back in Jesus' day they just wanted spiritual happy meals, okay? And if you have no idea what that is about, you got to listen to the message. And for those of you that don't know, you can listen to our message through our app. We have a church app. It's CF of Elizabeth. You could Google it uh, or search it in the app stores. And in addition to that, we have a podcast and our website where we try to keep everything updated so you can listen to our messages there. So if you missed it, definitely you can listen to it. So one of the biggest things for each of us is how could we be a disciple of God? Not just a fan of Jesus, not just a believer of Jesus, but a disciple. And I just want to highlight briefly the four marks of a true disciple that we mentioned last week. Number one is this, being a dedicated learner. Being a dedicated learner in Hebrews 6 verse 1, it says this, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from the acts that lead to death and of faith in God. So God is calling us to be a dedicated learner. There's so many different classes that we offer. We have the disciples path. Um, we, we have retreats that we do during the year. There's so many different things that you could be plugged into our community groups or fellowship group so that you could learn what it is to be a disciple and grow in that journey. A second mark that we talked about is absolute obedience. It's not, when you follow Jesus, it's not selective, not what you want to do. It's really absolute obedience. John 14, 21, it says this, For whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. So you could even measure yourself with that. Are you a dedicated learner? Do you follow Jesus with absolute obedience? The third mark of a true disciple is spiritual fruit. We need to see the spiritual fruit in your life. Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 to 23 says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. And the fourth mark that we talked about last week makes disciples. A true disciple that's following God in these ways also is focused on the mission that Jesus gave us to make, uh, make disciples. Matthew 28 verse 18 to 20 says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth 
has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So here we're on this journey wanting to be true disciples. We started off the year two fasting, 21-day fast. I know most of us are doing the Daniel fast or a modification of that. But we're chasing after God, seeking after God, wanting more of him. Next Sunday, included in our service, we're going to have a time period of baptisms. Many of you here have never been baptized before. And when you choose to make that decision, that public declaration, that you're going to follow God no matter what, but it's not just something you're doing internally. You want the whole world to know that your life is aligned with Jesus and be completely dedicated to him. That's the point that I know for many of us that have been baptized, it's a highlighted moment in our journey that you know that you literally went to a different level with God because not only are you following him within your heart, but the whole world knows and you want to be identified with Jesus in his death and resurrection. And I know God is tugging in many of your hearts, wanting to draw you deeper into that type of relationship. And if you're committed and you want to be um, baptized, I know Joelle mentioned too that this Tuesday at 7 p.m. we have a class. You could go there, have your questions answered, understand everything there. Even if you want to make your decision after taking the class, you could do that as well. But we challenge you not to silence the voice of God within you that's trying to draw you deeper into unknown territory in your walk with them. So because we want to challenge you and because we want you to understand what it means to be a true disciple, today is a very different Sunday morning. It's not going to be a regular teaching by one person, but we are going to actually do a little bit of a, dis not a discussion, it's more like a Q&A with five disciples that many of you know very well and they're the pastors of our church. So as I call them forward, they're going to sit down here in these chairs behind me. First, Pastor Loretta Staffew, make some noise for her. Bienvenida. Aquí siéntase mi sala, por favor. We have Debbie, Pastor Debbie Schwartz. We have Pastor Harold Boyd, Pastor Diana Nelson, and our founding pastor, Pastor Gary Hartley. You can still make more noise. They're not up here yet. Pa pastor Gary brought his coffee. He's all set. Come, uh-oh, uh-oh. Are there any Patriots fans in here? Not really, right? No, no, no. You're getting some booze here. So what 
what I wanted to do today was something very different. Um, I wanted to be able to talk to our pastors so that they would be able to share from their heart key insights, uh, key gems that we would be able to really um, learn from. Um, here before you, you have leaders um, that they came to the point of surrendering their heart to God at one point, and God took them on a journey to bring them where they're at now, and they're true disciples that are respected uh, within our church, within the community, and I really believe we could learn from them. Um, so definitely, you could take out your bulletin um, in the back. You could take notes too if someone says something, because in the end, there is going to be a time period where you're going to share one of your greatest takeaways with someone that's close um, to you as well, and also something that you're going to start to apply to your life um, as soon as possible from what's being said today. So I asked the pastors ahead of time, we're going to keep this as brief as possible with every question, no more than a minute, so that we would be able to go through the questions and hear from everybody as well. And we have two microphones, so we could pass them Oh, three microphones. Okay, we're, we're, we're good, we're good. So we're going to start off with just how did you come to Jesus? Very briefly, a little bit of your testimony. Go ahead, Pastor Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, grew up in church, but uh, and in high school, my um, senior year, I started to question what it was that I was taught um, as a child, and I went on this little journey for a couple of years to find out if the Jesus that I was taught was really what I believed uh, from my parents. And um, it took me on a whole uh, journey and I got to know God for myself. And I think it was maybe 21, 22 uh, when I really uh, committed myself and understood that what I was taught was what I chose to believe and that God was real to me. That's great, how I came uh, I was brought up in the church just like you were from a little <laughs> kid and uh, believed in our Lord Jesus Christ. And I remember at 12 years old, really coming to that real realization, I was out in the woods, believe it or not, and had just listened to Billy Graham on the television, walked out in the woods and really uh, uh, felt moved by God. But um, unfortunately, after high school and into college, I, I more than drifted away. I went into complete rebellion and lived a different kind, style of life. By the time I came back... Uh, I was not living with the Lord very well, let's put it that way, but I was still going to church. I was uh, chairman of the evangelism committee, I was the administrative board, I was uh, doing the newspaper, I was in charge of the youth group, I was superintendent of the Sunday school, and drove the van, but at the same time I didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as my savior. And uh, I invited a, an individual uh, to speak, because I was evangelism chairman, and uh, when he was speaking, uh, he gave a very simple message that told me about the blood and the sacrifice that Jesus had made. And for the first time, the light bulb went on. And it was right then and there that I received the Lord, and there was no turning back. So it was June 1st, 1986. On a Sunday, I was brought up in the church, praying mother, praying father. Love, you know, I was a church goer. I was a fan. And then... Um, I was a hypocrite because I went along with everything the kids did at school, even though at home, you know, if they were cussing, I was cussing. If they were 
doing, I just didn't try substances, but I did, you know, dabble. And then it was the word, June 1986, it was the word that the pastor was preaching. And he said, no matter where you are, what you're doing, God sees what you're doing. And you can't hide from God, your sin and everything. And I just felt a burning in my heart as if I could see like a light of God beaming right on my heart. And I said, I was sitting there with a suit talking about, I know I'm not right. So then I got into line and I got prayed for. I was 14 years old and I've never looked back since then. That was the day I met the real Jesus, my Jesus, my personal Jesus. So thank God for that. But I know what it is to be a hypocrite and a fan. But now I know what it is to really walk with Jesus. Praise God. Um, I shared this this morning with the 101 class, uh, but my experience was in the seven, late 70s, uh, there was something called the Jesus Movement. They were like hippies, and, you know, they loved Jesus, and they were <laughs> playing the guitar and witnessing. And I bumped into one of these guys at a corner deli, and he shared with me. Now, I came from a, a background where I'd never read the Bible or anything. And... Um, so he shared with me briefly, and he touched me so much that I, I started to weep. And it was like, I didn't know what was happening. It was that the Holy Spirit was working on my heart. I, I wish I could say I accepted the Lord at that point, but I didn't. Um, I went away to college. This was, I was about 19 years old, and I strayed uh, from the Lord. But uh, after college, I, I, my first job, my, my boss was um, a Christian. He took me out to lunch, gave me a Bible, told me about the book of Revelation, and really got me thinking about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, and shortly after that, I changed jobs, because this was a process. The Lord was trying to get me. Um, and I got mugged. And this was in Newark at Knife Point, and my life flashed before me. And I went home, and I... I read the Bible for the first time. Um, and then shortly after that, I got placed on jury duty was within two weeks. And uh, a person there was a churchgoer, a believer, invited me to a, a Pentecostal church, which was totally different from what I can remember. And at that particular service, I practically ran to the altar and accepted the Lord as my Savior. Awesome, awesome. At 25 years old... I was living in California after driving cross-country because I wanted a new adventure in my life. I knew one person in California, and I stayed with this person for a while and got into the culture, loved the beach life, still do, um, loved <laughs> the relaxed lifestyle. But along with that, in the dating lifestyle, it was very different than what I was used to in New Jersey. Um, I had the opportunity to become wild and crazy, but there was a part of me that was looking for a relationship, not just playing. I found myself thinking, okay, how am I gonna find a decent man? Well, probably through church. <coughs> so I checked out a couple denominations, wound up going to a church uh, called The Vineyard, where they met in an auditorium and I don't know that I went more than twice, but when I saw them worshiping in freedom, raising their hands, dressed any way they wanted to dress, the love and the acceptance that I felt, 
at the altar call, I ran down the aisle, and that's when my life really changed. Real quick, how many years have you been following Jesus already? Oh, yeah, For me? Yeah. 40. Since 1980. <laughs> 30. Oh, help me out, honey. 33 years? 33 years, okay. Seven. <laughs> 20. Great, great. Um, for me, it's, I think, 24. Well, actually, I'm 23, so probably about 10 years. So one of the things that, something that's really important, obviously God wants us to grow. Um, when you first give your heart to Jesus, you start off as an infant. But God wants to take you to, through a journey where you become a parent, like eventually become a parent where you disciple people, you have people under you um, as well. And in that journey, God is able to do the growth, but at the same time, we need to be intentional to have disciplines in our life so that God could use those disciplines as we're dedicated to him to bring that growth. So in your journey, what spiritual disciplines have you found crucial in your own personal growth with God and why? Anyone could go. <laughs> I'll go. Um, I, I think the first thing was confession. Um, one of the disciplines was to come clean before the Lord mm. and to uh, keep short accounts. Mm. Like when he shows you something. Um, and the other thing ties into it, Bible reading and study. Mm. That was the one that helped me because I, I came from a denomination where you didn't have to read the Bible. Mm. But digging into the word was the one that showed me the mirror of those things that I needed to change. Awesome. <laughs> um, she said two of them already. Uh, I don't want to repeat that. But um, also, for me, the I would say the life of worship. Because when I re read the Bible, it was more so, okay, this is what it says. If I'm a believer, how do I obey it? How do I act it out? You know, um, Prayer and meditation was a big part of it, reading it. And then my biggest, and I still roll with this even more today, how do I act out this thing like love and forgiveness and, and humility and all these things? So that submission is something that I, I run with every day. That, that, that's the way you carry your cross, so to speak, to follow God is when you submit. For me, it's been um, writing out scripture. And carrying it with me so that um, when things go through, happen throughout the day, I can go back to that verse and um, be reminded of what um, I read that morning and what God's word is saying to me. So writing it out has been very helpful to me. Uh, there are four that I practice, try to practice on a very regular basis. And the most important one is like you were saying, Dr. B, that's uh, Studying the word, not just reading it, but really studying it verse by verse, word by word, and doing the research. But to back that up is both meditation and solitude. I need my time alone with God. I need to think about what I have read and studied and that kind of stuff and meditate on that. And then, of course, the fourth would be prayer. 
Awesome. Mine is um, silence and solitude. Um, I get up early in the morning um, when no one's demanding my time um, and spend that time with the Lord um, in quiet, listening. Many, many times I will take a day off from work, go to my favorite place, and just be quiet before the Lord so I can hear his voice. What's that favorite place? Is it Sandy, by any reason? Very sandy place. <laughs> Very warm. I don't go in the winter. <coughs> okay. Just wanted to... Um, what spiritual discipline did you find hard to implement um, for yourself and why? And just to let you know, not every person has to answer every single question in case... I mean, you could pass it. Because mine is just the opposite. I find it so hard to have that solitude time because it's like there's so many things. You're busy, distracted, and you have to really, wor I really have to work at that. Mm. And I am trying. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to tell you all right now. <laughs> Fasting is one of my hardest. <laughs> I'm gonna just keep it real with you. He loves happy meals. No, no, no. I, I've made mistakes <laughs> where I haven't eaten all day. I've had some bad experience. I've gone to the hospital trying to do it wrong, you know, doing it my way, you know, not really doing it the way um, God wants. Just being extreme about it, let's say that. <laughs> but my food, Lord, I gotta really, I gotta tell God, like this couple of weeks, I am actually saying to God, I love you more than sugar. <laughs> and I'm trying to convince myself of the same thing. <laughs> so pray for me. Fasting is one of the hardest. Fasting is the hardest. It's impossible uh, for me. And uh, I actually, Pastor, thank you for this fast because this is the first fast, mm. and I'm being serious, mm. this is the first fast that I've really gotten a lot out of it. Most mm. of the time I just yeah. fast. There's nothing there. I go on, move on. Yeah. But uh, uh, this fast, uh, the Lord has really blessed and awesome. done great, great things. Praise so uh, just keep trying. You know, mm. that's, that's kind of the thing. It's not that I'm necessarily good at it. I just keep trying. That's right. Mm. That's right. Awesome. Um, what area of your life was the hardest to surrender to God as you were growing as a Christian? I would have to say my mind um, in different uh, situations, my mind kept going in the opposite direction, so I would have to go back and steer it to God's word. We think we know the right way, but we don't realize sometimes when we align it to God's word that it's not necessarily uh, aligned. Mm -hmm. So, my mind. So, <laughs> man, um, one of the hardest for me is because it comes from my family. I don't want to make, make it an excuse, but we all have different things that we grow up in our families with different things that you know, we get accustomed to. And one of them is my sensitivities and holding grudges and holding on to things. And I've learned over the years, actually I've learned being a, as a pastor <laughs> to let things go. <laughs> and to, I mean, so, and to, um, not to hold grudges, but to set myself free. Um, it's still a challenge because of that bloodline has stopped with me. I've made that decision, but every day in my flesh, it's a struggle. 
So pray for me, y'all. <laughs> um, probably one of the most difficult things when I really reflected on this question was giving the Lord my desire to be married. When I was a single person, um, my intention was to get married, and I really tripped up quite a bit in my dating life. And when I became a Christian and I became involved in the church, I started to realize that God was in control of my life. And although my, he knew the desires of my heart, was I willing to give him my singleness so that I would learn the importance of a relationship to a husband, my God the Father. So I distinctly remember the day that I brought that to the altar and gave him my singleness for the rest of my life. I remember also him speaking to me his promise for a husband. The second thing that was harder yeah. after that was giving him my desire for children. And I also remember bringing it to the altar one day and giving it to him. Mm. And he took that desire from me. Mm. Because little did I know that after I got married, I was going to be taking care of people in my life. And that was like having a bunch of children. Mm. Great, great. I, I know like through the journey, um, one of the things I see as people start to grow in their relationship with God, uh, one of the things that often pretty much the enemy uses to knock them off that journey is when adversity or tragedy happens. Uh, because it's easy to follow Jesus when everything's going okay. Everything's good in your life. But what about when you go through hard times? Um, and my next question is, in your spiritual walk, how has God used adversity or even tragedy or uh, um, difficult times to mature you? <laughs> Just a couple easy questions. <laughs> Are we playing hot potato with these mics? I would have to say... Through adversity, uh, I can think of two uh, situations in, in my life. Um, it's been to teach me how to truly trust him. Because we can read the word and we can talk the word and we can right. teach it to people around us. And everything, like you said, is great when life is going great. <laughs> but when you have to apply there you go. that to an actual circumstance in your life, um, that's when, you know, you really see, do you really believe and do you really trust God the way that you say that you do? And, mm -hmm. and that's what uh, those circumstances have done for me is to teach me, to show me, you know, put your money where your mouth is, you yes. say it, do you trust me? And that's what I've, I've learned through my circumstances. Um, I... I knew the Lord as a church boy, self-righteous. Um, I knew the word. You couldn't tell me nothing. I was in all the spelling bees, Bible spelling bees and all that stuff. Um, but it wasn't until I started to really live this thing on my own, and I went through some hard, hard things, things that would 
shake the very foundation of, you know, is it real or is it not? Do you know how to forgive or don't? Do you know God as a provider or not? Do you know God to heal you from hurts or not? And all I can say, just like uh, Pastor Diana was saying, I don't want to go into detail with all of them, but it was in those times that I had to hold on to God the most. And as I held on to God, as I held on to I would have a scripture for every, every time. This is what I love about the word when you study it and you meditate on it. You may not need it at the moment, but as that those times when you're saying, my heart is bitter and God says, you must forgive. It's, when, it's in those times when, you know, you say, well, I hate this person. And then the word says, you know, how do you say you love me when you don't even love the brother you do see? So it, there's words that come back to you when you need it, and then you hold on to that as the truth as opposed to the lies that the enemy will try to bring, and your flesh feels a certain way. Um, God just worked it out where the trials are made to make you better. They're made to make you stronger. But it's up to you to hold on to that promise on the, to, so that you can get to a, praise him on the other side. And that's what I've experienced. Praise God. Um, I would say, it, looking back at the, the real tough times and not getting into details, that there's two ways that I've learned. One is through study, and I love to dig in the word, and I love it. It's my passion. But the other way is experientially, how God allowed certain things in my life to happen, and through it was a learning process and a growth process. And now, in retrospect, when I look back, I, I understand it. But while I was going through it, I learned to trust and believe him that he's working this out somehow. If I just believe that, that it's going to be fine. When I've gone through adversity, what I've seen, even though I couldn't maybe see God, feel God, understand God, was the body of Christ the brothers and the sisters that would reach out to me, that were there to support me, that would pray for me, that would come over to my house or to be with me. Um, adversity showed me that I wasn't alone. Adversity showed me that God showed up through others. God showed up in his word. God showed up at church. God showed up in his rhema word. God showed up at the beach. <laughs> so if you want to meet God today right after service go to the beach hang out there make sure you take a blanket with you and some coffee because you're going to need it um, I have another question now all of us of course we're all in this journey and we're going to be in this journey until our last breath until we make it um, of course to heaven um, but when there's something in our life that you know needs to change. You know, what are the steps we should take? So my question would be, have you tried with God to change something negative about yourself, something that you know doesn't belong, and what process did you take? I'll go. Um, because I can really identify with this. Um, the person that I am today was not, you know, I'm not the person... Um, that I was when I first started out. And the one thing I can tell you is I wanted to, I wanted to, I was, I was, there was a lot of things. I was a procrastinator. I was always late, you know, last minute person. Um, 
Okay, no amens. So, <laughs> and and just really, you know, but I wanted to be, because as a, as, a, as a creative person, I didn't have all those gifts of administration, but I've learned how. But one of the ways that I learned how to do that was being accountable. Having someone speak into my life, tell me when I'm doing it well, tell me when I'm not doing it well, tell me what my strengths are, tell me what my weaknesses are. Be humble enough to allow someone else to tell me, you know, that's been experienced, that is grown. Um, I've had those spiritual big brothers and sisters to speak into my life and help me to get it better. Um, and so it's, it's, it's my own study and my own application, but the brothers around me, the sisters around me, the leaders around me, uh, as, she, as, my, as uh, Pastor Loretta said, it was, it's the church that helped me to grow. Um, so, you know, I took advantage of all these resources to make me become better, better disciplined with now I'm, I'm a little more on time. I'm not so last minute. <laughs> I'm able to run things a little more efficiently. Pastor, Pastor Carlos has trusted me with some ministries now. So, you know, <laughs> but it wasn't that, you know, coming up, I had to learn and grow into that. Anyone else wants to chime in on that question? Actually, fasting and prayer has really helped me see more of my character flaws, my defects, and um, be able to turn them over to the Lord. Um, and there's also these questions that I ask myself at the end of every day, sometimes in the morning, um, to evaluate myself, my behavior. Was I resentful towards anyone? Was I jealous? Was I dishonest or was I angry? So that helps me to really evaluate and why was I any one of those? Well, uh, for me, I know who I am and I think everybody's a little different and unique and all of that. I have to cut it off at the root. As soon as I see something or feel something or something is brought up to me that, and I am in agreement, that is wrong, and is obviously wrong, I just have to be very radical and not do it anymore. Uh, even from the smallest habits, I remember, I used to have this habit of doing this. And, <laughs> and someone pointed that out to me. This was like 40 years ago. That's the first time I've ever done it since then. <laughs> I, uh, I just cut it off, and it will never be. It doesn't exist in my life, and I refuse to do it any longer. Because as soon as I open the door to myself and allow myself to do that little thing, the door might as well be wide open, because eventually I'm going to walk right through it. So I have to be really radical in my approach. Great, great. <laughs> um, what would you say to someone that knew God before, but right now, this moment, they're far from him. And they want to come back, but they don't want to give up the things that they're involved in in their life right now. Um, I would say God's just a breath away. That don't fear him, run to him. Turn away from what you're involved in. You know, the ABCs, accept what he's done for you. He's forgiven you. He's he can cleanse you. He receives you just as you are. And I would tell you to go home and re read Luke 15, where he talks about the lost coin and the lost sheep and 
the prodigal son. And that's who you are. To, he, you're loved, and he wants to receive you just as you are. And he'll work on the rest. Anyone else wants to? Sh it's hard for them to let go of the things that they're involved in. I would tell them that God loves them. God loves them um, just where they are, and to all they have to do is just say, Lord, I need you, and mm. Lord, I want you. Mm. And once you do that and you give that to God, he will come in. Okay, great, great. Anyone else? I might be radical with mine, um, but radicalness has helped me. Um, like I said before, I struggle with things, and it's hard to let go of things like sugar. Um, <laughs> I love sweets, y'all. I got all the yeah, I got all the cavities to show it. But I would always ask myself, do I love this more than you, God? Is this more important to me than you, God? And if I ever say yes to something, that's when I got to work on that thing, because that's the God that's over the the God of my life. And so um, I understand that struggle because it's in your flesh and I, I know what it is to walk away, but I am so glad that I, you know, when you know your father that you can come back home. Mm -hmm. To know that you can come back home. And then not only can you, you, not only when you come back home, but you come home to, not only to God, but to your family. Um, I think one of the biggest things is to know that you're accepted. To know that you are not judged and to know that there's an opportunity to come back home. But, it, but the price is that you have to let go of whatever is, is, is keeping you from God. And so, you know, the Bible says that God is not so far that he cannot hear, and neither that he cannot save, but it's our sins that have separated us from God. And, I don't, you don't, you know, and then you have to make the decision, is this more important to God? Because if it is, it's separating you from God. Thank you so much. And the last, were you going to say something, Pastor Karen? Well, there was a time when I would have debated the person yeah. to death. Uh, <laughs> given them every argument uh, that I possibly could. But thank God I grew up a little bit. <laughs> I changed. And uh, like Diana, I would assure them that first that they knew what Jesus did. Second, that he loved them. And then I would just stay in relationship with them and wait for them to get into a crisis. And then when life started to fall apart, there I would be with Jesus, and we'll see what the Holy Spirit would do at that time. Thank you guys for sharing. Now, this is the last question. If you can give everyone that's here a practical daily action, practical daily action that they can take to enrich their walks with God, what would it be? What I would <laughs> encourage you to do is to find that place that time to spend with God, uncompromising. Mm. If you have to get up early in the morning to make sure you put that in your day, that's how you start your day. If you have to stay up later at night, that's how you do it. Um, if you have to lock yourself in a room, everything else is a bonus. On your way to work, if you have time to pray, fine. But to have that time set apart between you and God. And I would echo that. Um, and during that time, your secret place to systematically read the Bible 
not just topically. Sometimes we go to the Bible and we want to find answers to specific issues that are in our life. But if we systematically read it throughout, God is going to show you so much more. So, I mean, I challenge you all to, to really, um, if you want to grow in your faith, reading the word, spending that quiet time afterwards as you're reading that word is transforming. For me, um, always stay excited about Jesus. It's the moment that you make it. It's not that serious. It's dull. It's not really. That's when it doesn't. The passion comes from you. You spark that fire. No one else is going to do it for you. You have to be hungry for God all the time. And these are different ways to do that. But always have a fire. When you feel it dulling out, that's a red flag. Get somewhere and do something about it. Get into the word. Get with a brother or sister. You know, um, have that discipleship, as they say, path. But for the most part, don't forget God. When he blesses you and he moves in your life, don't forget him. Stay hungry and always keep him first. For me, it's always been to have a disciple, a discipler. Always to have someone I can go to, someone who's going to teach me, someone who I can come under and discipline me and uh, keep me accountable. I would say put on a good worship song. <laughs> uh, that's what uh, helps me change the atmosphere sometimes uh, mm. in, in the car and in the home. Mm. And I'm not talking about just radio songs. I'm talking about a good worship song that's going to bring you back and turn your focus to God. I, I'm just going to add one thing as well with this. Um, with each of us in this journey growing God, uh, when we fade away, it usually doesn't happen fast, like from one moment to another. It's a slow fade. Uh, there's even a song that talks about that. It's a slow fade. Um, so it's so important to daily do these things. Um, like, you know, like just to have these habits in our life. Um, and I know for myself, something that I do is, uh, life is so busy, and there's a lot of distractions, and I purposely put things in my life to constantly remind me of Jesus. Whether in my house, you'll walk through hallways, there's Bible verses on the wall. Like, you know, like I purposely put it there, walk into my office, so I'm reminded. Like, you know, on my desk, I have certain things that I just glance at it at home, and I'm reminded, just these reminders help me um, on a daily basis to stay close. So right now, we're going to turn it towards you guys. Um, we want you to get in groups of four. And in your groups, I Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this new year, 2019. For a year that we're chasing after you to be a true disciple, God. God, we surrender our heart, our mind, our life, God, every aspect, God. And we ask you that you would take us on this journey, God, because we know, God, that it's worth it. We know, God, that there's no greater journey to be on, God. And we love you with everything within us, God. So, God, continue to do your work within us in every way. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of the evening.